There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I just kind of like groove to the music sometimes, you know. It is Bedlam here today, of course, because Dan Bongino did his show live from our studio. And there's, you know, just uh, fans and, and the only people who get in here were people who have something to do with this radio station. But I haven't seen any of these people before. <laughs> like, they don't come to see me. Although, there was one gentleman who did want to meet me. And, uh, you know, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with that. But, uh, I, you know, it, it's always fun when there's energy. When I do the show from my house... I have to create all the energy. Not that that's a problem for me, because with my mental state, I'm usually in a state of excitement. And so I can create excitement anytime, just at the drop of a hat. They, some people diagnose that as like ADHD, whatever. You know, I, um, I'm glad that I have it. So I don't need other people to jazz me up. But when I do have a chance to be around other people and I'm live in a studio and there's like an excited quality to the air... It's, it's just great. I don't even know how I could live without it. Now, don't get excited because it doesn't mean I'm going to be coming to the studio on a regular basis. I like my home studio. Dan likes his home studio. Uh, everybody likes their home studios. Uh, Mark Levin's not leaving his, you know, his uh, what do you call it, bunker. Rush didn't leave his house. You wouldn't leave if you didn't have to, right? But it's amazing to watch what goes on when people that you hear every day, because I, I listen to Dan every day, and then you stand there. The guy's like, he says he's only 6'1", but he seemed a lot taller than 6'1", to me. And so, of course, the inevitable picture of the uh, conservative talk show host Squared was taken, and I look like I should be in that show Little People next to him. The, it's not as bad as the time I stood next to Bill O'Reilly, and... He literally thought it was funny to rest his elbow on the top of my head. It was kind of funny, I guess. He'll be on my show next week. Or, yeah, next week. Because I just finished reading Killing the Witches, his newest book. Now i got to read uh, F Something Failure, Dan's book, which is fine. These are fascinating people and fascinating stories. But talk about fascinating people and fascinating stories. What on earth They've got some people out there running for office who have completely lost their minds. They're saying things that they're going to have to live with. And I don't get it. I really don't. I, I, I don't understand why they think they could win an election by saying, if you elect me, I'm going to burn books. Like, I don't care what state you're in. Happens to be a Republican candidate uh, for Missouri. He wants to be the governor of Missouri. And... He, he vowed he would burn books if elected because he was criticized for a video showing him burning cardboard boxes with a flamethrower. 
and the vi- the video went viral. I saw it, and it shows State Senator who's another Republican who's running for governor, and State Senator Nick Schroer, a St. Charles Republican, also using flamethrowers to torch a stack of boxes at a fundraising event in Defiance in St. Charles County on Friday. It's enough already. How angry do you have to be to get elected? How many outrageous things do you have to say to get elected in this country? And is that good? Trust me, I get to say outrageous things. That's my job, right? I get to uh, poke fun. I get to say things that other people can only think. But if I'm running for office, well, even Donald will refrain from saying he's going to burn books, I hope, I think. But this is the kind of stuff that's going on right now. And there's a big fight going on in Hollywood. I can't wait till Friday when we talk to Derek. Because remember, Derek and I last week talked about how um, Drew Barrymore decided she was going to do her show. Writer's strike or no writer's strike. And oh my goodness, you know, you would have thought uh, the girl was caught, uh, you know, beating baby puppies or throwing kittens out a window of a moving car. The way she was treated, right? And then Bill Maher had also said, hey, look, I got a responsibility to do my show. Writers can be on strike, but I got to do my show. They're, they're somebody else will do the writing. And of course, somebody else is doing the writing. And as my producer once pointed out, so people are working. They're just not the people working that were always working. So I, I just, you know, you look at that stuff and you think, oh my gosh, you know, are, are we really, is that where we are? Everything I see around me makes me feel like I, I woke up in a really bad dream, and it's pretty unrecognizable. I look around and I say, I don't know who that is, but whoever that is, like, leave me alone, stay away from me. That's why working in a studio in my house is really working for me, you know, because there's some craziness out here. Absolute nuts. Now Rudy Giuliani is being sued by his lawyer who says that Rudy didn't pay him. Now, it was in the Wall Street Journal, which is not a newspaper that I trust. And now I can't even trust the FBI. I was listening to Dan on the way up here. And he's talking about if the FBI knocks on your door, don't answer. And I'm thinking, holy moly, how did we get to that? I had an encounter with the FBI. Many of you were there. Well, you weren't there. But I was on the air immediately afterwards or before, I forgot. It was in a day when I was on the air on this radio station. And somebody had called in a bomb threat. The schools were shut down in Broward County. Newspapers, press everywhere. I'm getting spirited out of the station in the back seat of a truck, actually in the back of a pickup truck under like a tarp, okay? Because there's helicopters flying overhead. Because apparently the reason that the bomb threat was called in and the, sh- and the um, schools were shut down got laid at my feet. Even though I wouldn't have shut down all the schools. I would have, you know, in any case, they find the person who made the threat. She's sitting on the west coast of Florida in a, like a Starbucks or a Dunkin' Donuts typing out stuff because she had seen a, something on Rachel Madcow's show, which was a a continuous loop of me making a speech on the 4th of July, and I responded to a question that was asked in the audience. By the way, this was the day before my father died, and so I will never forget the day. 
And when the question was asked to me, what if they cheat and try to steal the election? Now, mind you, this is back in 2009. And I said, well, you know, Thomas Jefferson said, when ballots don't work, bullets will. Oh, you would have thought I was calling for war. I was quoting Thomas Jefferson. But the next thing I know, the authorities and this crazy bomb threat called in. They find the woman. I, I actually went to the court and pleaded for her not to get sentenced. Because I, you watch enough Rachel Madcow, you go crazy. I think she just went crazy. You know, I, I, I didn't have any animus towards her. And she had a young kid, a teenager in California. I said, at least, you know, if she got to do some time, put it, send her back to California. Didn't turn out that way, but hey, listen. And she hated me with a passion. When I walked into that courtroom, oh, you would have thought I did something, you know, that I had actually launched a revolution. That's why I get so angry about this whole story with, with Donald Trump. People don't understand what an insurrection or a, res- a revolution looks like. It does not look like what he did or I did. Standing passively by and asking people not to do something stupid is not inciting a riot. But hey, what can I tell you? At the time, the FBI got involved in the case because there was a bomb threat, right? And I get a phone call on my cell phone, and the person says, I'm from the Miami office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and we need to come and ask you a few questions. Can we come to the studio? So (laughs) I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, like, I don't feel really comfortable about this. But, you know, I had never had a reason to doubt the FBI, so I went into the owner of the station. He wasn't here, but the, his uh, lieutenant was here. And I said, uh, you know, Rick, what do I do? And he said, we'll, go, we'll call the lawyer and you'll meet with them, right? Okay. So they call my good friend Norm Kent, the late, great Norm Kent. And he comes into the studio and two FBI agents come in. Now, mind you. My nephew, or actually my niece's husband, so I guess he's my nephew-in-law, works for the FBI in Miami. So when he saw my name come up, he immediately talked to the two guys and said, you know, I don't care what you're going there for, that's my aunt. You know, just whatever, you know. So they walk in, and the lawyer, Norm says to me, do not answer any questions. You know, just sit here. Because we don't know what this is about. They got to do the explaining. So I sat there. They said, are you Joyce Kaufman? That seemed like I should be able to answer that one. So I shook my head yes and said yes. And they said, okay, we just want to ask you a few questions. And Norm jumps in and says, she's not taking any questions. What is the problem? (laughs) Like, you know, meanwhile, the schools are shut down in Broward County. We know what the problem is. And they were so nice. So nice. And every question that they asked, I said, um, you know, at the advice of my attorney, I'm not going to answer that question. On the advice of my attorney, I'm not going to answer that question. And by the about seventh time that I said it, they said, okay. And they got up and left. And that was the whole, my, my big encounter with the FBI, right? Nothing. They didn't even get mad at me. You, I thought they might yell at me or something. Nothing. And then I'm listening to Dan today, and he's saying, if they come to your door, don't answer. Because we can't trust them. We can't trust our own Federal Bureau of Investigation. How could that be? How do we get this way? And what are we going to do about it? I'll tell you what we're going to do about it. We're going to use the ballots. We're going to vote. 
and we're going to get recompense for all the agony they put us through. You know, I brought Dan a hat. The hat said, the final variant is called communism. You guys must refuse to comply. He's wearing a button now. Everybody got to wear the button. Why? Because we have no choice. If we keep letting them do these things and get away with these things, if Hunter Biden doesn't get in trouble for doing something that would land me in jail for five years, I have a problem with that. Coming after a former president like Donald Trump, who basically is now a, the leading candidate for the next election against the man who runs the Department of Justice, do they not realize how badly this stinks and how angry it's made us? Anybody who wasn't going to support him in the past has now made a real decision that they're going to support him. That's, that's the bottom line. So that's it, you know, but Rudy should pay his lawyers. I, he got a, a million and a half dollars in legal fees that he owes this guy. Lawyers, like, you know, it's amazing. I'm so, so blessed to have a son who makes that kind of money because you can't make that in medicine. You can't make that. Well, you can make it on the radio. Not me, but, you know, some of the big guys. But boy, oh, boy, how do you end up owing a lawyer a million and a half dollars in legal fees? I think it's more than like a personal injury case, that's for sure. All right, don't forget you can download the app, 850WFTL is the app, and you can go to the website, 850WFTL.com. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You know, sometimes I want to support like certain people, but like I just don't need any more Giza sheets. You know, there comes a point where you have like nine pillows and you don't want to support Mike Lindell, but I don't know how to do it. So I'm looking at these pictures today. Apparently, Chuck Schumer thought it would be smart to suspend the decorum that we're used to in the Senate in terms of what they wear. Now, I want you to remember, because I'm going to be the person who never says this, but I'm going to say it this time. All right. This is a racist thing that they're going to change the rules for the white guy from Pennsylvania. Okay, he doesn't have to wear pants. He can go in his uh, basketball shorts and uh, and, a, and a hoodie to the Senate, the floor of the Senate, the deliberative body. I want my senators in suits and ties. Okay, I don't think that's too much to ask, and that's what it always was. Now, here's why I think it's racist: because when a Florida congresswoman by the name of Frederica Wilson who was famous for wearing hats when she served in the state legislature. This is a woman who wears them big, beautiful church hats with the ribbons and bows and, and, and flowers and fruit all over these hats. Not like Chiquita Banana, but actually classy hats, right? When she went up to Washington, they said, no hats, you can't wear your hats. And I thought, I'm not a big fan of her, but that didn't seem right. Because you can wear a lot of things in there that uh, might offend me. Now, it offends me when somebody walks into the House chambers or into the Senate chambers 
with flip-flops on. I've seen that now with uh, Fetterman. But a hat, a beautiful hat, that wouldn't offend me. And I think it's perfectly within the decorum. That's how she goes to church on Sundays. So she's paying that kind of respect to serving the public. And like I said, I don't even like her. But they didn't bend the rules for her. She's black. I'm just saying. They're always talking about it. How come the left is the one that never, never considers how the perception might be that they're racists? You know why? Because they are. I'm sorry. You know, I hate to break the news to anybody in my listening audience, but the Confederacy and the Ku Klux Klan were all in bed with the Democrat Party, not the Republican Party. The Republican Party had a guy by the name of Abraham Lincoln who said, no more slavery. Okay? But to hear people talk today, you would think, oh, my God, the great saviors for American blacks and the great saviors for American Hispanics and the great saviors for everybody else would be the Democrats. Uh, wrong. No, that's, that's not the great saviors. They could care less. They want you to vote for them, but they don't care about you. They don't care about me. And that's why you're seeing all these videos popping up on TikTok. I never even knew that TikTok had like a political aspect. I, I, I guess I kind of knew because some of the country stars would do some kind of crazy stuff, you know. But now TikTok has got nothing but Latinos for Trump, African-Americans for Trump, blacks for Trump, Asians for Trump. And they do these like videos, you know, they sing and they tell the story. And the story is the same over and over again. They say, stop voting for people who make all kinds of promises to you and fulfill none of them. This is going to hurt the Democrat Party. I don't know if it's enough, but it's definitely going to hurt because this is a solid block. The reason that Joe Biden got elected, which is still highly suspect to me, okay, he never left his basement, but the reason they say that he got elected was because in the final months, you had all these big-time black leaders go into the community and say, we have to support Joe Biden, we have to get him elected, and that voting block propelled him over the finish line. So guess what? What have they done for, what has he done for them? What has he done for anybody? I'm listening to Gavin Newsom last night talking about how this is the best presidency he's ever seen. He got more done. And I'm thinking, are we looking at the same presidency? Got more done. Yeah, he got $6 billion that he sent to Iran. The border is wide open. People are suffering with inflation. And Gavin Newsom thinks this is the model of what it should be like. Now, that should scare you because Gavin Newsom may very well be the candidate. If not in this next election, somewhere down the line, they're prepping him. And he thinks this is the model of a great presidency. At least I could live with it if they said Barack Obama, okay? I could live with that because he did get stuff done. Wasn't stuff I wanted done, but he got stuff done that helped the people he had said he was going to help, okay? You know, affordable health care. And it ended up not being that affordable, but it was a great effort, right? I mean, 
uh, it was better than the Clintons did. Hillary was the big macher who was going to change health care forever, and that never happened. And then, you know, Barack Obama said, hey, look, it's not going to be perfect, but we got to make sure that people can afford something. And so if I have to model the left, I'd say, well, at least pick somebody who got it done. Actually, it's Nancy Pelosi who got everything done. She's running again. You can't make this up. I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out now. Now that the Senate has a no, you know, no dress code, and and John Fetterman is wearing basketball shorts and a hoodie, in the Senate chambers, what is next? I heard Dan Bongino say that somebody should dress up like Grimace, and and have the Hamburglar, and they should run in there because it's a clown show. And while that's very funny, I think they should actually organize the Republicans to um, come in in various outfits. Okay, I'm, although, you know, when you think about it, Kristen Cinema has been doing that for a long time with them neon tiger print dresses that she wears and, and her, di- what do they call them? Those uh, dialophosaurian sleeves that are like, you know, you can fly away with those sleeves. And so she has some strange things. But they're, but they're sort of elegant in a bizarre way, Okay. Today, Shuma saying, today you can choose to wear whatever you want. I will continue to wear a suit, Schumer said. But if they want to wear shorts, that's okay with me. And I'm just like, oh, Lord, what happened to my country? This is my Senate. And so there we go. And, and, and you know what the worst part about it is? For him, for John Fetterman, some incoherent doofus, that nobody understands how he even got elected? That he beat Mehmet Oz? I, I still sit here some days and scratch my head. They had to have cheated in that election. Everybody knew who Dr. Oz was. And this dummy couldn't hold it, couldn't put a sentence together on the campaign trail. And he ends up the senator. And now he ends up setting the dress code in the Senate. And what he has set the bar at is so low that anybody who's looking at this from China to Russia to the uh, mullahs in Iran, they're looking at the Senate chambers, including people who like us, like the Israeli Knesset and the Japanese parliament. They're looking at this and they're going, what the... (laughs) Huh? Dress code, fashion history. Yeah, if I were the Republicans, I would do something outrageous. I really would. Come in in a Speedo. Come on, Marco, you could do it. Marco's all waxed and stuff. He could put on a Speedo and walk in there. Ted Cruz, put on like overalls, Ted, you know, and, and carry, oh, no, no. Ted should come as a cowboy with six shooters strapped to his side, and that would be actually entertaining. Instead, I got to look at this bozo in his gym shorts, his gym shorts, not even, not even jeans. He's wearing basketball shorts. It's disgusting. They're disgusting. They just are. I'm not going to take, you know, I'm not standing down. And, and look... They should be outraged. If the Republican senators don't do something ridiculous and bring attention to this, shame on them. Because, look, I want my president to wear a suit. I've never seen Donald Trump without a suit and tie for more than five minutes. If he takes his jacket off, it's brief. Because 
it's the highest office in the world. In the world, not just in this country. You should put on a suit, right? You're a senator. That's as high as you can go before you get to the presidency, right? We don't, we don't care if you're rich or poor. We'll pay for your suit. How about that? Instead of letting this go on. It's scary. Anyway, you know how I feel about it now, right? Okay. Like, you know, maybe the guys should dress in drag. The Republican senators should dress in drag. They like drag queens. You know, so dress in drag and show up there. Try not to fall in your stilettos, you know, and we'll see how that goes over. Right away, it'll be, oh, look at the Republicans. Right. Uh, they should wear spacesuits, right, with the big heads, you know, like they're going to outer space because this is like a, it's like outer space now. It don't look anything like the Senate. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. You stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So that's it. I had a, a listener send me an email. She said they should, the Republicans should dress up in 18th century garb and look like the founding fathers. I, that would be funny, you know, and also send a message. Like it, at some point, we have to admit that all of this behavior that we're tolerating is degrading us. And it's definitely sending strange messages to the rest of the world. And that still matters. You know, I don't need to be perceived of as a failing country. I would like the world to still look at us and say, well, they might be grappling with some inside issues, but they always come through on the right side. And instead, they're looking at this and saying, hmm, these people are absolutely out of control. We could do whatever we want. Now, see, in other countries where tyrants rule <laughs> you see things like in ecuador right now where they just locked up this drug lord just locked them up no questions asked you're going away and then he makes a music video from prison i'm like that's what we're turning into okay just in case you think that's a strange story coming soon to you yeah there was a, 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 another crazy story that was out there about one of the best, you know, tailors in the whole country. Now, I didn't even know they still had tailors, right? Like, I remember when I was growing up, if a man needed a suit, he had to go to a tailor. And the tailor would take out these bolts of fabric. This tells you how old I am, okay? But it's true. There was no men's warehouse, there was no, there was, there were department stores, but department stores maybe had like five suits, you know, and they still had to call the tailor in to the department stores to hem them and all the rest of it. But, but there were tailors, actual tailors. And I, I remember when my brother, they were, they were throwing this big bar mitzvah for my brother and my father and brother went to the tailors to have a suit made and this guy literally pulled out a bolt of fabric. My father said, that's great. And he like cut it out on a pattern and made suits for the two of them. So I thought that's a long dying art. Now you go to, what is that, Barney's, in, if you're in New York, um, you go to Macy's. There's plenty of places you can go, right? You don't have to go to a tailor. 
But apparently there still are people who go to tailors. And I suspect that Donald Trump is one of them. Because Donald Trump's suits fit like a glove. Now, maybe that's not noticeable to you, but it's real noticeable to, you know, Kim Jong-un or, or to the uh, leader of Russia, Putin, who favors bare chests and, you know, riding horseback. But Chairman Xi is always in a suit. And I'm sure when he was shaking hands with Donald Trump, the two guys are checking each other's suits out, just like when I'm shaking hands with some woman and she's dressed really nicely, I'm checking out her dress. And may even go as far as to say like, where'd you get that dress? Who's the designer of that dress? Oh, Balenciaga? Oh, it's a Chanel? Okay. A Christian Dior? Nice, nice. I can just imagine when somebody like Chairman G, who's built like sort of like a little Mack truck, if you ever looked at him, he's just kind of square. He looks at Donald Trump and he's thinking, this guy's not thin. He's not particularly good looking. But he carries that suit like it was made for him. You know why? Because it was made for him. And so apparently one of the best tailors in the whole world lives, of all places, in some backwoods town in Maine. Now, do people actually go up there to get suits? I guess. I'm tempted to, you know, get a suit from my husband, get from a real tailor. Anyway, so now Drew uh, Barrymore and Bill Maher have completely caved. They've both reversed their decisions. They're not going to host their show during the writer's strike. I have bad news for them. And this is just something I've learned from 33 years in this business. When you're not on the air, people forget you. I know that, you know, that there are some big giants that never get forgotten. You know, I don't think that uh, we'll ever forget Rush. But he's not relevant anymore. I remember at one point, my boss on WJ, this station, on WFTL, at the time it was called WDJA, 850. And I remember my boss came to me and he said, um, I don't want you to do talk. I'm bringing in all these people from out of the you know, stadium. I brought a guy from California and a guy from New York and a guy from, I don't know, Illinois. Big, big name guys, you know, brought him down, paid him a lot of money. The station fell right on its face and he ended up going back to talk and using me. But during that period of time, he had me do things like a financial show. He had me do uh, a music show on WJNA. Many of you remember, I'd sit there and spin Frank Sinatra records, yes. And coming up next is The Carpenters. Yeah, Tony Tennille and Captain or whatever, I don't know. But I did all these oldies for a while. And people said to me, Joyce, you're going to ruin your career. You're a talk show host. And I said, let me explain something to you. If I'm off the air, I'm not any kind of host. If I don't have a presence on a radio station somewhere, I am no longer going to be remembered by anybody. But as long as I'm on the air every day, I got a shot. I got a shot to get back to what I want, what I love. And that's exactly what happened. It didn't take very long either. He failed. They failed. <laughs> that lineup. Uh, I forgot what they called it. It was some crazy name. Talking talkers. I don't know. 
But uh, they failed, and the first phone call that my boss had to make was to me. And he said, look, uh, you know, I was wrong. <laughs> I'll put you on middays, okay? And we'll carry syndicated programming around you. And I said, okay. Could have saved yourself a lot of aggravation. You did that in the first place. But that's, you know, listen, that's why, um, that's why I'm telling you, Bill Maher, I'm telling you, Drew Barrymore, you go off the air to support the writer's strike, you may very well find that nobody cares and nobody misses you and somebody will replace you. That's the name of the game. There's always somebody standing in the wings. I knew that uh, there'd always be someone trying to get my job. Anyway, don't forget, coming up after me, Eric Erickson, and then, of course, the whole lineup for the evenings and overnight, and then Jen and Bill will be back first thing in the morning with the South Florida Morning Show, followed by Brian Kilmeade and the one and only Dan Mangino. I now have a copy of Dan's book, and it's actually signed. One day I will be giving this as a prize because I didn't have him personalize it. So one day you can get the signed book of Dan Bongino. I have to read it first. So you're going to get like a used signed book. But I promise I'll do that. Thanks uh, thanks for, for understanding how I got to read it first. All right. Let me take a break. I have one more segment left. I'll be right back. A real bear? Uh. Guess that's gonna put a damper on some people's. Did you, my friends were at the beach yesterday in Pompano, and they brought their noodles and the football. They were gonna have a big time. A girl just moved down from up north, and they got in the water. And all of a sudden, the lifeguards made everybody get out of the water. So now, of course, first thing you think of is sharks, right? There was a saltwater crocodile in the under the pier, just hanging out, and he was fast too. He like. Whoosh, at some lifeguard, you should put that story up. I mean, it was all over the Boca News and everything else, and, and I'm looking at that. I didn't even know there were saltwater crocodiles. How about that? That they were in the ocean and close to shore? Had you ever heard a story like that before, Sharina? Because I'm here 40-something years, and I never heard of that. Yeah? Say, well, what can I tell you? So uh, just be very careful. I don't go in the water. There's enough anxiety in politics that I don't need to worry about sharks and alligators and crocodiles, right? Right now, the number of polls showing voters very concerned about President Biden's age and his energy. That's why it's so funny when you hear people saying, hey, we need the experienced guy. No, we need a person who's up for the job. Democratic lawmakers don't even endorse this guy. It's very rare. Gavin Newsom did because he knows he's standing in line. You know, he's waiting. If he has to drop, they can't go with Kamala. She, I don't think. I don't think anybody likes her. You got to be likable to be president, not to mention competent, which is a whole nother show. But the uh, impeachment inquiry, the Justice Department indicting Hunter Biden on gun charges, there's got to be some serious anxiety in the Democratic Party right now, which is fine because there's plenty of anxiety in the Republican Party. They can't get behind Donald Trump, some of these people, and I got news for them. They're not going to have a choice. He's going to be the candidate. And people like me switch their registration so they can vote in the primary. The MAGA forces, we are strong and we're fed up. On my computer, you know, I'm never usually in the studio, so nobody gets to see my stuff. But on my laptop, it says, we the people have had enough. Have had enough. I, I don't want to play this game anymore. 
I, I'm not going to comply with the, the masks. Now we got hospitals all over the country that are insisting people wear masks. We got schools, districts popping up, telling people they have to wear masks. Now, mind you, we know masks don't work. Okay, they don't stop the virus. So what we need is good therapeutics so that if someone gets the virus, they get the medication and they get better. I know a person right now who's got COVID. He's getting better. They get better. I know people who have the flu right now. They will get better, right? I have myself, I suffer from terrible allergies and it's Malaluka something season. And, I, you know, my allergies are all kicking up, but I will get over this. And people are going to get over COVID. So I ain't putting on a mask. I can tell you that right now. I'm not taking any jabs. Absolutely not. You know, I got those listeners who write me and say, oh, please don't say that. You know, whatever the, you got a lot of seniors. I'm a senior. I get it. If you want to take the jab, go ahead. But I will not be forced to take it. Absolutely not. You must refuse to comply. That's all there is to it. I'm looking at people having various effects on it, the myocarditis. I'm looking at Naomi uh, Wolf, Dr. Wolf, talking about these, you know, these vaccine-related injuries that she's had. Megan Kelly says her immune system is shot. I think my immune system was affected by the shots. Thank God it wasn't so bad, and I still pretty much rebound. If I get sick, I get sick for a day or two, and then I rebound. You know, I have a pretty healthy immune system. I take very good care of myself. I work out. I eat right. I take collagen. I do everything that you know that I should be doing for optimal health. Okay, I am not taking that shot. That's it. Not. I'm not negotiating. I'm not. If you tell me I can't come into your city or your state or your business without my mask, then I won't come in. It's okay. It's okay, I'll learn to live without whatever you are. You know, I was just talking to somebody who said, oh, well, they're, you know, they're, their oncologist won't let them go in the office without a mask. And I'm like, guess what? <laughs> I suggest you find another oncologist. I don't know. You know, what can you do? I'm not complying. Those days are over. I see the damage that was done. Uh, the next thing you know, they'll be back in Zoom. I, I hate Zoom. I don't know about the rest of you. I hate Zoom. Zoom is not human contact. Zoom is like watching network. I want to open up the windows and scream, I'm not going to take it anymore. I really do. You know, I've had enough. And, and so have you. And that's why it's going to be a resounding victory in the next election. And all those people, I hear people worried about the down ticket and all that. Trust me, you know, I'm not looking for more congressional uh, wins in the state of New York or California. I'm not. I don't care. But I, I do need a massive victory for Donald Trump because otherwise they can cheat. You know, it's got to be so big that mm, it's just... Nope, sorry. They got to start calling states at 7, 8 o'clock at night. Call in the big states, Wisconsin, you know, Michigan. They got to start calling those states early so that mm, the numbers add up before we go to bed. Because when they leave it in that fluxy state like they did last time, oh, well, now we have the votes came in from these other precincts in Georgia. Oh, there's some other precincts in Pennsylvania. Oh, my, look at that. Things have turned upside down. Joe Biden is now winning. I mean, come on. 
it's got to be so big that they can't do that. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, and my plan is to be back on the air at 3 o'clock tomorrow, but from my bunker, (laughs) not up here. I'll be back here next week, though. So um, in the meantime, I'll be here if it be his will, and he delays his coming. So what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then may God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America. And God bless Dan Bongino. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.